It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And we are just one day away from St. Patrick's Day, moving into the future, and so much more. Because this week, for show number 169, for the week of March 16th, 2017, we have all kinds of fun as we are going to get shrunk down, licked by dogs, and so much more as we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day, as we have none other than Brian Toe stopping in here at the show. Now, Brian, who you may recognize from the Honey, I Shrunk the audience attraction previously at Epcot as well as Disneyland and he's going to be stopping in and talking about a variety of different things what it was like working on the Honey I Shrunk the Audience attraction his reactions when seeing this attraction and its longevity over the years lasting friendships he's made including what is he doing now celebrity photographs working the red carpet and so much more including directing himself and Brian Toe is going to stop in and talk about that and a variety of different things as we head into the future we get shrunk down and we have some fun but we're not slowing down because yes we are one day away from St. Patrick's Day and no St. Patrick's Day would be complete without the D team and you have the questions and he has the answers as Aaron is going to answer all those questions and I want to know. We also have Dominic who's in the midst of a snowstorm. He is trapped in his house, lights off, but fear not he is still bringing us a Disney short leash just so he does not let down all of you D-heads. We also have Paige with the Symphony for Your Ears with a magical music review. We have Caitlin stopping in with the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2. And let's not forget Cody who's taking a stroll down this week's Hollywood Walk with a little bit more about our very special guest Brian Toe this week. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-wire from Beauty and the Beast, Walt Disney Records, the Disney Channel, Animal Kingdom, bath towels, dole, and so much more. So before we jump into this week's show and kick off the luck of the Irish moving into the future and so much more, I do have to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is a 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan and book and prepare your vacation and make it magical and treat you like family. They're going to wrap their arms around you, give you a big hug, and walk you through the process to have the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. They have bilingual agents to help you out with that language barrier and so much more from dining reservations tickets and so much more they're going to take care of you so definitely check them out castle and dreams travel the official sponsor of Diz radio so all of you d heads with that said it is time to kick off the show with the luck of the irish now before we get shrunk down to the size of a leprechaun the size of the little people let's hang out with darby o'gill and kick off show number 169 for the week of March 16th, 2017. And I'll be right back, all VD heads, as I go out and look for a four-leaf clover. Take it away. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, her eyes are sparkling full of fun, no other, no other. Her. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one. 
I love the ground she walks upon, my pretty Irish girl. Have you ever seen a seagull flying o'er the heather or the crimson sails on Galway Bay? The fishermen unfurl. Oh, the earth is filled with beauty and it's gathered all together in the form and face and dainty grace. A pretty Irish girl Oh, she's my dear, my darling one Her eyes so smart and full of fun No other, no other can match the likes of her Oh, she's my dear, my darling one My smiling and beguiling one I love the ground she walks upon My pretty Irish girl Oh, she's my dear, my darling one Her eyes so smart and full of fun No other, no other She is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one. I love the ground she walks upon, my pretty Irish girl. Love the ground she walks upon, my pretty Irish girl. Rise, Super. And their dealings with. Dressed envelope to. Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Testing. One, two, three. I don't think this... Is this thing on? I don't think this thing is on. Can anyone hear me? Good, you can hear me. Hi, everyone. I'm Christy Smithers, an assistant here at the Institute. We're just about ready for you next door. But before we go in to see today's presentation, here's a message from my boss, the head of the Imagination Institute. Hello. Dr. Nigel Channing here. Welcome, welcome... Welcome to our annual open house. It is my pleasure to have you here, just as it is your pleasure to be here. For over a hundred years, the Imagination Institute has honored the world's leading thinkers, dreamers, and innovators with the Inventor of the Year Award. This year's recipient, Professor Wayne Zielinski, holds patents on numerous unique, one-of-a-kind inventions, including the hands-free phone helmet, the hands-free personal grooming helmet, and his newest creation, the video camera helmet, which, if I'm not mistaken, is also hands-free. But what brought Professor Zelinsky to our attention was not headwear, but his incredible shrinking and enlarging machine. Although he's had some small setbacks, he has demonstrated a truly enormous gift for imaginativeness. Today, before receiving his award, the good professor will demonstrate for us his latest inventions, all developed right here at the Institute. Before we begin, I have one special reminder. Do remember, safety goggles must be worn during the presentation. But please, for your safety, do not put on the safety goggles until you are safely seated, safely inside the theater safely. Uh, yes, right. Now, please gather up your personal belongings and move all the way into the auditorium. See you in a few moments. Cheerio. Hi, this is Brian Toe from Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. It's Disney Blues. Disney On Demand. Ooh. 
I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, LVD heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 169 for the week of March 16th, 2017, as we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. We're going to go into the future. We're going to get shrunk down to the size of a leprechaun as we're going to journey into Honey, I Shrunk the Audience with none other than Brian Toe stopping in here very shortly. We have the D team here of Aaron, Dominic, Paige, Caitlin, and Cody here for the celebration as well with their signature segments, news hot off the D-wire, and most of all, we have you. You, the D-Heads, you tuned in, you're listening in, and you're making it fun as well. So before I officially jump into the news here this week, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, Disney On Demand, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio. All of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical, all-new kind of Disney show. And remember, if you just can't wait, you need the magic instantly. You need it right away for your ears. It's super easy. Yes, all you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and subscribe right there and get the latest shows right there on your iPhone, your Android, your tablet, your mobile device, you name it, and have the magic to listen to right away, right there, to enjoy every single week. And remember, you can find all these links and more at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that out of the way, I'm going to keep an eye out for that leprechaun. Hopefully I can catch him when I'm the same size as him. But let's press on with the news. Hot off the D-wire for this week. And how about Disney's Beauty and the Beast, the original motion picture soundtrack, is available. Yes, as of last week, wherever music is sold, streamed, and so much more, Beauty and the Beast, the live-action adaptation of the Disney animated classic, the soundtrack is now available. Yes, with all great songs written by Mankin and three-time Oscar winner Tim Rice. Now, these are great lyrics. Of course, we're all excited. The movie comes out tomorrow for everybody to enjoy and check out. Now, from early on, they have said that it has been an objective of theirs to add something extra, something more. Now, some of the new songs that are featured in the film included some, like Evermore, a ballad performed by The Beast, who's played by Dan Stevens, and the heartwarming Days in the Sun, which is sung by Belle Emma Watson. Now, The Beast in the Castle's Enchanted Staff, How Does a Moment Last Forever, is sung by Maurice, who's played by Kevin Kline, and in the reprise by Belle. Now, the soundtrack also features three brand new recordings, including the all-new duet Beauty and the Beast, as we mentioned the past year from Ariana Grande, and also John Legend. Now, this is a great soundtrack, one you want to add to your collection, because, come on, we all have to have our Disney soundtracks. We all love that Disney music, the whim, the things that really just give us that heartbeat and that 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 thing that carries on with us after the movie is over. Now you can find out more about this just by going to disneymusic.com, check it out on iTunes, streaming software, you name it, but you can purchase the official Disney and the Beast original motion picture soundtrack which is now officially available. And like I said, you got to stand in line, you got to get ready because Beauty and the Beast hits theaters tomorrow on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. How lucky is that? Now, moving right along here, how about getting into artificial intelligence, 
robotics, and so much more. And how fitting, because I just finished a pack meeting with all of my scouts for Boy Scouts talking about robots, robotics, and building robots as we had a robot club come to our pack meeting. But with that aside, how about Disney to use robots and AI to bring Mickey and Goofy to life at the theme parks. Yes, the animator is no stranger to pushing new technology, and it's been a pioneer of computer graphics for decades, but now they are taking tech-loving plush to even a more physical direction. Giving a rare glimpse at the workings behind the magic, Disney has given insight to its planned future of technology use, with robots and artificial intelligence to give a new form to the company's storytelling in the upcoming years. Now, as the Vice President of Research and Development has stated, John Snoddy, he says, I think AI and machine learning is going to be very important for what we do. Now, speaking with the BBC at South by Southwest, he also added, things like characters cannot move around among our guests. They're going to need to understand where they're going have goals, and know how to navigate around humans. Now, this is going to be emerging technology, something that is completely different. Now, we all love talking Mickey on Main Street, right? I mean, I love going to meet Mickey. They are going to push that even farther. Now, they did say they don't want to scare the kids, and it's in the early stages, but Disney is always cutting edge of technology, and now robots, AI, and so much more. We might see a robot Mickey wandering the parks very, very soon. Now, moving aside from the parks here, let's get into the Disney Channel, and of course, young Disney Channel stars. We've had our fair share of Disney Channel stars here on Disney On Demand, and how about Disney training young stars to help them cope with fame, which is something that is very important for them. Now, Studio Disney is providing classes for its young stars to help them cope with fame after many stars like Britney Spears and Demi Lovato have suffered major meltdowns. Now, according to a private source, the studio has offered life skills and healthy living classes to their up-and-coming stars, reported nypost.com. Now, the source also added that for the first time that the network offers life skills and is coaching actors on how to navigate the wilds of social media and the pitfalls of fame. Now, as I said, you are put in golden handcuffs. You're going through something that is fun, exciting, and new. And when it comes to a halt, how do you deal with that? Or when you get bigger, how do you deal with it as well? Now, they've also added that it is so magnified when you are part of these shows and part of this fame that you just, everything is intensified a thousand times over than your normal, typical kid. Now, Judy Taylor, head of casting and talent relations for the Disney Channel, said, We realize that these are young people, and they are in a transition in their own personal life. Rather than dictate what they can and cannot do, we try to provide resources with these kinds of classes to help partner with parents to give them support and guidance. Now, New Talent attends half-day sessions called Talent 101, which provides a roadmap about what to expect on set, how life will change, and many other things. Hopefully this is going to help many of them continue to cope and just really gracefully move on into that next stage in their acting career and life. I think this is a great step for people looking out for young actors. And we've had our share of people who are always looking out for young actors here on the show. And, you know, that's something that's really needed. And now Disney is taking that step. Now, since we are talking about the Disney Channel, let's stay with the Disney Channel. And how about Big Hero 6, the series, is getting a second season renewal ahead of the premiere. Now, this is nothing new for the Disney Channel. They have done it so far with Tangled. They've been doing it with a lot of their series. They just renew them instantly before they even debut. But now Big Hero 6, the series, doesn't even premiere until this fall. But Disney XD ordered this week that a second season of the small screen project based on the Oscar-winning movie take place. 
Now produced by Disney Television Animation, the series picks up immediately following the events of the 2014 Disney film, and continues the adventures and the friendship of 14-year-old tech genius Hero, as well as all of his friends, and all of these characters are being reprised by the original voice actors set behind them. This is going to be a fantastic show. I personally am excited for it. I knew about Big Hero 6 well before the movie. I loved reading those comics. Now the voice cast, like we said, is everybody returning doing their original roles. Now the movie, original movie, made almost $657 million worldwide to become the top grossing animated feature of 2014. Now it also went on to score a 2015 Oscar upset for best animated feature over How to Train Your Dragon 2, which swept all the Annie Awards that year. But now, Big Hero 6 Season 2 is coming our way and we haven't even gotten Season 1 yet. Moving away from that, let's get into water parks. I know it's a little chilly, and people like Dominic are sitting in a snowstorm right now without power. But how about Misadventure Falls opening this week at Disney's Typhoon Lagoon Water Park? Now, the big day is finally here, and everybody is thrilled to take you aboard Misadventure Falls, the all-new family raft attraction now open at Disney's Typhoon Lagoon Water Park. Now, the fast-paced water slide takes you on a journey where you can spot Captain Mary Oceaneer's prized finds and have a blast and, of course, get wet. Now, as the world-famous oceanographer and member of the Society of Explorers and Sea Adventures, also known as SEA, Captain Mary made it her life goal to sail the seven seas and collect treasures and to share with the rest of the world. Now, Typhoon Lagoon became home to Captain Mary's ship after a rogue typhoon swept it up and many of her artifacts on shore. Now, this is going to be a great new attraction to Typhoon Lagoon. It's going to be fun. And, of course, Captain Mary's parrot and trusted diving partner, Duncan, is always going to be there as well. Now, there are many new additions that are also coming to Blizzard Beach and many other places. And, come on, I still do miss my river country. But now you can ride Misadventure Falls at Typhoon Lagoon at Disney. So all of you D-heads, with that said, we have lots of fun. I think I spotted a leprechaun in my wings here, and I think I'm going to have to do the wishing game here and uh, maybe trick him into granting me some wishes. i got to capture this king of the leprechauns, as Walt would say. But we have a lot of great things coming here on the show very shortly. Like I said, we have the D-team here. We have Dominic, Aaron, Paige, Caitlin, and Cody all stopping in here, answering your questions, giving us music, tying us up in short leashes, giving us a rundown of the Walt Disney World Resort, or maybe just taking a stroll. We have the whole D-team here as we gear up for Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, a director, a celebrity photographer, and more with Brian too stopping in here very shortly as well. So before I release the reins here to the D-team, we try to capture these leprechauns. We continue on with our St. Patrick's Day futuristic kind of special. I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. Now, Castle and Dreams Travel is a 100% free agency. They're going to treat you like family, give you a big hug, and walk you through your best experience that you're going to have at the Walt Disney World Resort. From purchasing those tickets, character interactions, dining reservations, they are going to treat you like family. They have bilingual experts, so they can help bridge that barrier in planning your trip as well. So definitely check them out. They're knowledgeable, they're trusted, and award-winning. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-Ads, with that said, I'm going to release the reins here to the D-Team, and let's continue on with show number 169 for the week of March 16th, 2017. And let's try to capture some leprechauns and try to get shrunk to the size of a leprechaun all in the same. Take it away, team. Now, uh, all these, Mr. Disney, are part of a private collection left us by Lord de Cogan. 
and every volume records an encounter with the little people. So if uh, I can't answer your questions, here are the books that can. Well, do the books say how big a leprechaun may be? Oh, well, um, uh... Well, could I carry one back in a shoebox? That is, if I cut air holes in the top. Well, Faith, I don't know. But here's a thing now that may give us out of estimate. Now, these were sent in by a Mrs. McQuaid of County Cork. A real leprechaun's coat? Yes, surely. And a hat? And a hat. The night before I sailed away, they come from far and near. All me friends and all me kin to shed a part and tear. We knew we'd never meet again, and yet was clear to see. I'd always be a part of them, and them a part of me. I'll always be Irish, cause that's how I began. I'll always be Irish, I'll say that to any man. And when I'm an American, I'll be a good one too. I'll be truly as American as Irish to you. He'll be truly as American as Irish, too. Ask for Irish stew in Ireland and see what you get. In Ireland, all the stew's Irish. I'll always be Irish, a fact I'll not deny. I'll always be Irish and I'll hold me head up high. I'll wear the green some patties day and yet for all of that, I'll be truly as American as Casey at the bat. He'll be truly as American as Casey at the bat. me days and ate bread and cheese in sidewalk cafes, lived in a garret, wore a beret, what would I be? An Irishman! If I went to Tibet and bought me a yak and travel Siberia, riding his back, the peasants would point at me, what would they say? Oh, young a wicky-ticky, oh, young a wang-tang, oh, young a wicky-ticky Irishman? Right! Right. What if I went to Spain and grew a moustache, strummed the guitar and wore me a sash, became a torero and fought me a bull? <laughs> After the war, in me both ears and the tail, oh, what would they say? Right. Always be Irish. I shouted good and loud. Always be Irish. Of his heritage, he's proud. I'm proud of Irish blarney and Irish sentiment. And I'll bet someday we get an Irish president. And I'll bet someday we get an Irish president. Hello. I'm Ed Asner, and you're listening to Disney on Demand. Cooper, and their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. The Wizardry of Lucas. 
the mastery of Kovala. The phenomenal music and dance of Michael Jackson. Captain EO. In spectacular 3D. Coming September 19th to Disneyland and Walt Disney World and nowhere else in the universe. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Well, winter has returned to Arkansas. We went from 75 degrees one day to snow and sleet the next day, making everything white for a while. But that's weather in Arkansas for you. Well, Eli finished 15th at the District Pinewood Derby Races and Cub Scouts. The top 15 received medals and trophies, so we just squeaked in there. But we had lots of fun in the process. And speaking of fun, the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Michelle Wellington of Indiana, and she writes, Diz Radio, I have a question about Epcot. In Future World, there used to be a Captain EO attraction. In the movie, there was a little furry guy with a long rat-like tail in it. I think they used to sell a stuffed toy of it. What was his name? And am I right that at one time they showed Captain EO on the Disney Channel as part of a night special presentation? Thank you so much. Well, I loved Captain EO and was sad to see it go. The character you're referring to was called Fuzzball. Fuzzball was a small orange and red space monkey with wings and a long tail. And yes, they used to sell a plush version of him. MTV showed the film in 2D on June 26, 1996, and it's the only known time the film was shown outside of Disney. I think you're remembering watching The Making of Captain Neo that aired several times on the Disney Channel. It was hosted by Whoopi Goldberg. Our next question is from Nelson Johnson of New Jersey, and he writes, Question for Aaron and the team. In Disney's classic TV shows, there used to be one with Chuck Norris. I cannot remember the name, and searches are coming up blank for me. It may have had a young actor who was popular at the time in it as well. Any luck on your end? Well, I think you're talking about the show Sidekicks. There was a movie with Chuck Norris in it, also called Sidekicks, but it was never affiliated with the TV show. Sidekicks is a 1986 martial arts TV series, a spin-off of the original Walt Disney one-time special, The Last Electric Night. The series starred Ernie Reyes Jr. as Ernie Lee, The Last Electric Night, and Gil Gerard as Sergeant Jack Riso. Sergeant Jack Riso is chosen by Sebastian as tutor of his grandson Ernie Lee, the last heir of an antique clan of special martial artists and highly trained karate fighter. Through the series, Ernie tends to often get into dangerous situations where bullies at school or in the streets of Los Angeles threaten him or his friends, or in dangerous situations where his adoptive father ends up needing his help after criminals which he has captured try to escape or try to harm him. With help of his quick moves, unique powerful skills, 
and the clever advice of his deceased grandfather, Ernie manages every time to overcome all the dangerous situations he gets into and manages to overwhelm his opponents. Sidekicks aired on the ABC Friday nights at 9 p.m. and then Saturdays at 8 p.m. But the show only lasted for 23 episodes. Well, our last question this week is from Emma Slater of Oregon, and she writes, Aaron, oh, do I have a question for you in the show about a cartoon I have no clue what it was. I remember a cartoon in the 80s that was not Pound Puppies, but was a Disney cartoon. I have a toy of it. They were shaggy types of dogs, and it was short-lived cartoon. Any idea what the heck I'm talking about? Well, I think you're talking about Fluffy Dogs. Disney's Fluffy Dogs is a one-hour animated television special which aired on Thanksgiving, November 27, 1986 on ABC. It was intended to be a pilot for the third Walt Disney Television animated series. The special suffered low ratings and it was canceled. It featured five pastel-colored talking Fluffy Dogs that came from a fluffy interdimensional doorway and into the lives of Jamie and his teenage neighbor, Claire. The dogs were the intended prey of the evil miser, Wagstaff. The basic premise for the series was the story of a band of adventurous, cuddly, dog-like creatures called Fluffies who used a crystal key to open interdimensional doorways. They become lost between worlds while trying to find their way home and end up on Earth. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your comments and questions to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless. Imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. I remember when we first met, me and my favorite pet. Oh, they call Fluffy Dogs. Introducing the Fluffy Dogs Collection. You shook my hand when I shook her paw. There was a spark we couldn't ignore. Oh, they call Fluffy Dogs. She's trouble, they said, when she hid in the flowers and under the bed. With her big brown eyes and her funny ways, my silly Fluff's here to stay. Fluffy each sold separately. Yellow Silly Fluff from the Fluffy Dogs Collection. New from Kenner.
Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. It's time for the Disney Parks March Madness Challenge. Make sure to check out the Disney Parks blog to cheer on your favorite Disney attractions and see how they fare. Voting for the ultimate Disney attraction takes place now through April 3rd, and you can even grab a limited edition t-shirt from the DisneyStore.com. A brand new fast-paced water slide just opened at Disney's Typhoon Lagoon called Misadventure Falls. It looks incredibly fun. And while you're on your adventure down the falls, make sure to be on the lookout for Duncan the Treasure Hunting Parrot. If you're a Star Wars fan, you may want to plan a trip to Hollywood Studios for April 14th to experience the first ever Star Wars Galactic Night. Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Hera on Star Wars Rebels, will host Inside the Saga Celebrity Chat Show. This event will also be the big debut for BB-8 and will feature so many activities like Star Wars dance parties and shows at the Rebel Base, special photo ops, a Stars and Cars motorcade, the Imperial March, Star Wars A Galactic Spectacular Fireworks Show, and more. This is a special ticket event, so if you're interested, make sure to get your tickets soon. I don't know about you, but I've been loving all the Tangled Lantern PhotoPass pictures popping up all over my Instagram, so I was thrilled to hear that they have extended the limited time PhotoPass experience. If you're like me and you like a little Tangled magic, make sure to stop by the Tangled bathroom area in Fantasyland to get your picture taken. Thanks for listening and until next time, don't forget, you can fly. Happy Ever After is our newest spectacular at Magic Kingdom. This show takes our audience on an incredible journey in shirts of Happy Ever After. The show is supported by a beautiful musical score that we just recorded in London. Overall really good, we're just gonna need to tighten up a little bit rhythmically. Happily Ever After takes the listener on a musical journey. The story of friendship, the story of perseverance, of overcoming obstacles, and then ultimately victory. It was fantastic to arrange this and come together here with the orchestra. I think what's been best about this project is just this collaborative process we've had in working with the team that's doing the visuals. It's been inspiring. The stuff they're doing on the castle is something I've never seen before. That's been an inspiring thing in terms of the music. Right now, animators are finishing up the drawings that will be placed upon the castle, bringing our characters to life in a new and exciting way. It's just fun to play with these characters in a completely different context than the original film, but certainly hearken back to the original film. And our pyrotechnics team is designing a show that will light up the sky like it's never been seen before. I think the emotions for me is all those things that you felt the first time you came to Magic Kingdom. You know, the, the wonder and the excitement, sometimes a little scary, but ultimately just a profound sense of magic. There's really no other way to put it, and this is a magical show. This show is going to blow everyone away. We cannot wait to share this with our audiences later this year. This is Rolly Crump, a Disney Imagineer, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out?
everyone, this is Dominic recording in the dark because of a blizzard, and welcome to another edition of Disney's Short Leash. If you're new to this segment, a short leash isn't something you can use as a whip substitute on the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. Let's hear it for the new D-Team collaboration software that has given me a treasure trove of new short leash isn'ts for the intro. No, the short leash is a series of tips for people to get the most out of their Walt Disney World vacation when they are short on time or short on money. With any luck, you may be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. On this week's tip, and for the next few segments, we'll talk about a honeymoon getaway. If you're listening to a Disney podcast, I'm guessing that you'd be the target audience for someone who might be thinking about partaking, or at one time, possibly more than one time, partook in a Disney honeymoon getaway. For those who are dreaming about such an endeavor, I am guessing that you may fall into the category of being very young and very broke. That is okay, because in Disney Honeymoon, the parks kind of take a back seat, and the vacation is really going to be about the person you're with and the life you're going to share together, as it should be. It's not going to be about extravagance and whether or not you stayed at the Grand Floridian. However, next week, I'll tell you how we swung that one and stayed at the Grand Floridian. And it all depends on how you look at it, and around about way, we saved about two grand doing it. So stay tuned for that. Back to the romance. Walt Disney World at any price level is going to be a fantastic backdrop for your honeymoon. It's escapism, it's fantasy, it's entertainment, it's romantic, at no matter what price point you shoot for. A 10-day extravaganza or a 2-day short leash trip, it's going to be phenomenal. You do not need to mortgage your future to create some extra special memories. Staying at a deluxe resort may be out of your price range, but just to add a little extra special with relatively little money, I'd start with dining. What? Yeah, I hear ya. I've been on the show for two months, and I always talk about reserve table service dining being a drain on time and of questionable value. But, this is your honeymoon. You're only going to get two or three of these. On a honeymoon trip, we're not talking about grabbing something quick and cheap to make sure you don't burn two hours and miss attraction time. This vacation isn't an all-out park assault to cram as much animatronic entertainment as possible. This is a honeymoon. This is romance. A honeymoon is an attraction marathon. Slow it down a bit. Do a dinner that's going to leave a memory. Do a dinner where the world stops and it's only the two or three of you. I don't know what you're into and who am I to judge. We may have Utah in the hizzy. I don't know, I'm not privy to the show demographics. Do a fancy dinner, do a theme dinner, do a character dinner, do a dinner with a show. You're sure to find a restaurant that caters to your favorite tastes and maybe add some entertainment as well. If you're cash-strapped, maybe one indulgence at a place that's $60 a plate. Do it now, do it quick, do it while there's only two of you, do it before you have to pay for a babysitter, do it while you don't have daycare or college to pay for. Now is the time, now is the best time, and however the rest of that thing goes from the Carousel of Progress. Which never made a lick of sense to me because they're talking about how great tomorrow is going to be. But this is the time to do it. The next time you have an opportunity to be alone like this, you might not still be in possession of your real teeth. Don't think about in 24 hours that $250 dinner is going to prove that all drains lead to the ocean. Just enjoy it while you can. It's your honeymoon. What are you going to do? Go home and tell everybody how fiscally responsible you were? Book that romantic meal. Now, I've been very general in my descriptions, because I'm not the foodie. I'm along for the ride here. I'm content with the pork and chicken combo at Cosmic Rays. So remember, a romantic dinner of any kind, not just a honeymoon, isn't about you. It's about the person you are with. With that in mind, here's my wife and fellow WDW Plantoons cartoon co-host Anita, here to talk about some of her favorite romantic food stops. So, it has been 18 years... Do you remember our dining experiences while we were on our honeymoon? Of course I remember all the places we ate on our honeymoon. It's one of the most, I don't want to say it's the most memorable thing I remember about our honeymoon. <laughs> I definitely remember all of the places we ate on our honeymoon. I remember Citricos. I remember it being our fancy place. I remember the dessert that was served to us on a pallet, and it was incredible. 
so delicious. I remember the brown derby where I had a lamb shank that came out with a giant sprig of rosemary coming out of the top. I remember the primetime cafe where from that moment on you hated it with every fiber of your being. I remember all the different places we went. Do you remember France? Of course I remember France. It was my favorite from then on. I had a herb crusted pork chop with, um, let's see, it was a soft cheese that was melted over the top and it was stuffed. It was fantastic. Uh, I had something uh, totally horrible. I remember not enjoying it either time we went. <laughs> yes, I remember not giving a crap. <laughs> so if you were to do it again, yes. what would be your, your fancy dinner? Your themed dinner, your character dinner, and your show dinner, a dinner with a show. So let's start with uh, what you would do for a fancy dinner. Fancy dinner? No doubt I'd go to the chef's table at Victorian Alberts. Now, why is that besides making us poor? <laughs> well, I would go because it, it's a very special once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing for us especially. But, I mean, you're served up to your eyeballs, and... You get to experience things right next to where they're cooking them, and you get to ask questions. You're, like, waited on hand and foot. You can't get better than that. Uh, for your theme dinner, you picked uh, Boma, Flavors <laughs> of Africa and Animal Kingdom Lounge. Of course. Why? Because you get to eat all the flavors. It's like Baskin-Robbins for Africa. <laughs> you, you see the animal, you just point. You just point and plate. <laughs> That's what you thought the safari was in the park. Yeah, well, I figured out that this is really what the safari is. I just had to go to the right place. On the tram, it's not a picture menu. No, this is point and click. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, for a uh, character dinner. We had some trouble with this one. Because knowing what you know now, you would not pick Cinderella. Because no, you tried it and wasn't crazy about no, it. No, it was terrible. But you would pick it if you, didn't, if you had never been there. Yeah, I would because I would have thought, you know, of course, you know, every... Why not? I don't know about every. I don't want to speak for all other ladies, but you know, I always wanted to have my own castle. I wouldn't mind pretending for a night. But being that you know what you know now, you'd be going to the Garden Grove at the Swan. Yeah, because it's something completely different. Looks like a very interesting place, and I've never been there before. For a dinner with a show, you have picked. Oh, Disney Spirit of Aloha Dinner Show. I can't. I can't. I get to take and spend more time in my favorite resort that I've never stayed in. I go and I, I just, I wish every time I walk in. And this show is a dinner and a show. It's all in one. It's a big giant luau. Everybody's having a ball. I think it's a test. It's a test. Yeah. How You've just pledged your life to somebody and now you're surrounded by hula dancers. Ah, where are your eyes? <laughs> where are your eyes? So there you have it, folks. Carving out a lifelong memory that'll be far more important than the food eaten or the money spent. Well, that's short leash, people. I hope you've enjoyed the tip. I have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tip at dominic at dizradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at dizradio.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The wishing song. Oh, I wish I had time to sing you a song. But when I get started, I sing all night long. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put a rhyme to that? Try me. Go on, then. Oh, singing's no sin, and drinking's no crime. If you have one drink only, just one at a time.
those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand. Dibs. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. All right, OVD heads, so I am back, and I hope you've been enjoying this week's show as you're about to get shrunk down to the size of a leprechaun with Honey, I Shrunk the Audience with Brian Toe stopping in here, and how fitting as it is St. Patrick's Day weekend. Now, you're wondering, why am I back here? Now, I don't have an intro for this. I don't have anything planned out. I'm doing this just right here on the cuff. I'm doing it really fast, but you may think back for all of our D-heads out there way back in the day, you may remember a segment on the show called The Trailer Park. So what am I going to do? I'm going to bring you a little bit of throwback trailer park here. Now, I might bring this back fully, so definitely send me your reactions. Of course, we'll have an intro, a full, not off the cuff, just improving here. Just something that's a little bit different. But if you do want this segment to come back, definitely shoot me an email. Let us know that you want to see this come back. See it be a part of the show once again. So what is the trailer park? It's that time when we dissect one specific trailer to bring you that moment back in time that little bit of throwback to that i guess that era when you were a child or even an adult with fond memories and this week since it is saint patrick's day weekend we're gonna kick off the trailer park with darby o'gill and the little people now many of you may remember darby o'gill and the little people it's the 1959 walt disney productions feature film it had albert sharp janet monroe as well as sean connery and jimmy o'day in the film 
Now it's all about a crazy, wacky Irishman and his battle to win the wits of the leprechauns. Now the film was directed by Robert Stevenson and its screenplay was written by Lawrence Edward Watkins. And yes, I am improving this. I just happen to remember these things in the back treasure trove of my brain. Now they are based on a series of books, which I also have read. Now the film's title is a slight modification of the two books that were written by Hermione Cavanaugh. Now it was originally called Darby O'Gill and the Good People. Now this and her other book, The Ashes of Old Wishes and the other Darby O'Gill tales, trying to remember all these, were sources for the movie. Now everybody really loves this movie. Even Walt Disney himself did a 30 minute special, which you can find on the Walt Disney tins, called I Captured the King of the Leprechauns. Now if you're sitting at your desk right now, you're in your cubicle at work, you can go to our Lifetime of Disney Player and listen to that special right there as well. So Walt Disney loved it as well. It was great story, great fun. Now Leonard Maltin, I believe in his book, said, and his book being the Disney film, said Darby O'Gill and the Little People is not only one of Disney's best films, but it's a great fantasy that's been put on film. And I don't know if that's the exact word for word quote, but it's what I'm remembering, as I said, as I'm doing off the cuff. Now, there's a lot of great things, like I said, Walt Disney capturing the King of the Leprechauns, as well as such great songs sung by Sean Connery, like My Pretty Irish Girl, right? Everybody loves that song, you hum along with it. And of course, one of my favorite, The Wishing Song. I do love me the wishing song, which you've probably heard throughout the show here this week as well, because we play this game when I'm out with my friends and my family, we'll do the wishing song as well. So it's always so much fun. So with that, I'm going to wrap up here the trailer park. Let's cue up the projector and kick off the trailer for the 1977 re-release of Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Experience again the incredible adventures of Darby O'Gill and the lost kingdom of the little people. Once you're here, there's no going back. Here's entertainment to delight the entire family with Sean Connery and King Brian, the fun-lovingest leprechaun ever to rule the land of enchantment. Don't miss Walt Disney's Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Rated G. It's a touch of magic from Walt Disney in theaters...
north and the northeast, old Mother Nature continues to dip the mercury way, way down. But meanwhile, right here in sunny Florida. Hi, Scott. Uh, beach snowmen, doesn't it? <laughs> Welcome, my friends, to the Polynesian Beach Resort in our super frost-free episode of Walt Disney World Inside Out. The program that shows you all the fun in the sun you can have, especially during the winter. I'm Scott Harriet, host, master meteorologist, and the guy who's come out of the cold to show you that things here aren't just warm and sunny, they're almost too hot to believe. Don't worry, Scott. Swimming is not only great exercise, it might be just what the doctor ordered. Dr. Selinski, that is. And he's got a hot new demonstration planned for you at Epcot 95. It's Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. right through these doors. Hi, we're just uh, heading into uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which ironically enough is based on the film Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. And the reason we're whispering is because uh, it's usually the best way to avoid the usual accidents that happen when Dr. Wayne Zielinski's around. Start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Hey everybody, Cody here, getting ready to bring you this week's Hollywood Walk, where we have none other than Brian Toe joining us today. It's going to be very exciting. Brian is a celebrity photographer, a still movie photographer, director, and he is also part of Honey, I Shrunk the Audience attraction. So before he joins Jonathan in just a few short minutes, why don't we get to know Brian just a little bit better. Brian Toe has been a model, actor, photographer, and director since 1990, and he's a graduate from UCLA Film and TV School. He started as a photographer, working with Greg Gorman, David LaChapelle, Douglas Kirkland, and Stephen Meisel, who photographed him for the Luamo Vogue CK1 campaign and the Italian Vogue cover. One of Toe's first assignments was photographing Antonio Sabato Jr. for his book No Excuse, Workout for Life. Brian's work can be found all over the place. He shot advertising campaigns for Pure Beauty, Johnson & Johnson, Walgreens, and the WB and CW shows such as Starlet starring Faye Dunaway and Vivica A. Fox, The Closer starring Kyra Sedgwick, The Pilot True, and the reality series Beauty and the Geek 2, which won a 2006 Pro Max BDA Silver Award for Outdoor Print Campaigns. Brian likes to credit photographing directors Brian Singer from Superman Returns and X-Men and the late Academy Award-winning director John Schlesinger from Midnight Cowboy and Marathon Man to direct his first film called Audit, starring Sally Kirkland, Alexis Arquette, and Judy Greer, which premiered at the IFP West LA Film Festival. It won Best Short Film at the WIN Femme Film Festival, as well as the Best Short and Best Actress for Judy Greer at Dublin Film Festival. Filmmaker Magazine in 2002 named Brian Tote the number five to watch in its list of 25 new faces of indie film, as well as taking still photos for movie sets. He also photographed celebrities on the red carpet and much more. He's done photos for Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, for Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, among many.
many others. Brian also worked on the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which is where us Disney fans would know him from, and during which time where he worked with the show, he became very good friends with director Randall Kleiser, and remains to this day. Brian also has his own YouTube channel, if you'd like to see more of his photo work, and also some of his independent movies that he has on there. It is youtube.com slash photo where you can see that. It's filled with short videos, also with videos of photos that he's been shooting for movies and such. If you want to check out the latest on that, otherwise you can always head on over to his website, bryantofoto.com, and you can see all the celebrities, what he's got coming up, his catalog, what he's done for fashion, or if you're more of a nature person, he's got nature shots, beautifully done. Brian loves what he's doing, and he says there's nothing more beautiful than capturing a truthful moment. He also says often what people consider mistakes are the most interesting. And you know what? He couldn't be more right. I mean, how many times have you snapped a picture of someone who doesn't know what's coming, and then after you look at it, you're like, wow, you know, that's that looks really doggone good. It almost looks better than if you were actually smiling for it. I know I've got a couple of those, not many, but there's a couple out there. Um, but it is fun when you can catch someone off guard in their more natural state. It presents a true reflection of the person, I guess you would say. And Brian shows that he is one of the best at doing that. So it'll be very exciting to see what he has to say about his line of work and also his work on Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And with that, I leave you to Jonathan and Brian, and they'll take you the rest of the way home. D-Heads, I hope it was fun and educational. I hope everyone is as excited as I am for the release of Beauty and the Beast in theaters. I hope you all enjoy it. I'm sure I will. I can't wait to go see it with the wife and the kids. Should be a blast. Don't forget, you can always email me at Cody, C-O-D-Y, at DizRadio.com and get ready, because Brian Toe is coming up with Jonathan right after this. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Stumps a toast to this night. The outlook is rosy. The future is bright. Our children will marry. Our kingdoms unite. Stumps, stumps, stumps. That last was all foam. Scums, scums, scums. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones you experience in the park, ones that are behind the scenes on movie sets, and so much more. And with us here this week is somebody that's a photographer, a writer, director, you name it. You may have noticed him in Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. That previously was at Epcot, Epcot Center, as I still like to call it. And we have none other than Brian Toe here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. How are you today? <laughs> so excited to be here. <laughs> it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, going into the parks, that is always a big thing with all of our listeners here. Everybody loves the attractions, the parks, technology, and of course, you know, that golden, uh, I guess, that rebirth of Epcot back in the day. But the one question I always start everybody off with, first and foremost, is what led you down that road of acting originally? Oh my God. Um, you know, I just remember loving movies so much as a kid and going to see E.T. with my dad and <laughs> Star Wars and all those types of movies that were just magical in the making. And there was just this wonderful um, 
escape to them. And, uh, and I think Disney, of course, was all, also had a, uh, that has very much that quality whenever you visit Disneyland or see a Disney film. There's just a little bit of magic in movie making. And, um, it's just, it's enthralling and it's so much fun to see how, to discover how they're made and how, um, you know, how you create that magic. Well, definitely, you know, and you were part of that magic, of course, jumping right into it at the parks with Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and everybody, you know, loved that attraction. I thought it was fantastic. You know, it took over for Captain EO back in the day, so it was this, you know, 4D, I like to call it, sensory attraction, and, you know, you were part of that film, part of the process. How did you land that role, and what was it like being on the set of filming this attraction? Um, You know, it was super exciting um, because that, was I met Randall Kleiser, who's the director of Grease and the Blue Lagoon, at a party, and um, we became friends. He has the same birthday as me. Um, I mean, like 20 years older or so, but the same birthday, July 20. And um, I don't know, we just clicked, and uh, and I met him, and then he just he asked me to be in it, and um, and uh, I said yes. Um, it, it has a special sort of memory for me because. Um, it was right around the time when my grandmother died, and um, I had spent a lot of time with her just before that. You know, just you know, living. Uh, I was living with my mom and dad, and we were roommates. When I was roommates with my grandmother, and then she went back to South Dakota, which is where she's from, and she passed away. And um, the when Honey, I Shrunk the Audience um, was being filmed is when you know my grandmother's funeral was. So there's. Kind of like a, I was the only one missing, but I guess I got to spend time getting into SEG and, you know, uh, just remembering the nice time with my grandmother while she was still alive, <laughs> which is sort of kind of cool. But I, I do remember that it was a really cool experience. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, it just was neat to be a part of something new and cutting edge and where, uh, you know, you know, it, 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 people really sense like they're being <laughs> shrunk and, <laughs> you know, being, um, being, you know, just having this very visceral experience that was kind of unusual, you know. <laughs> well, and, and being that, like you said, having this visceral experience and, of course, you know, of course, the fond memories with your grandmother, but, you know, being on this film and being there filming it, whatnot. Um, at any point, were you kind of like, "Wow, I am filming something that's going to be an attraction in a Disney park"? Yeah, that was the most exciting thing. Um, was that it was going to be an attraction, and then all these people would see it, and um, yeah, and it was really cool um, because I remember when I first saw it, the um, you know, I was like, right when the whole audience gets shrunk. I blow up. So it's like all giant. You don't really see the big stars of the whole thing that are talking. They're so far away. And I'm like the very first one you see that gets blown up to like 40 feet high. So my face is like <laughs> 40 feet across the screen. And I'm like trying to get the theater away from the little blonde kid. <laughs> and, um, and so everybody was like, you know, it's, uh, it was almost like this big, giant, huge movie star. You know, it felt like that was what was so fun about it was like I was part of that first moment when the um you know the audience uh feels like they're being shrunk and um and so uh 
so everybody recognized me, of course, because their feet were so big on the screen, trying to get this uh, this thing away from the theater, from the little kid walking, you know, walking around with it, and um, and uh, and yeah, for years people would kind of say, oh, I saw you at Disneyland, I went to Disneyland, you know, and uh, and that was really thrilling, you know, to be acknowledged, um, you know, it's always th- being, it's always thrilling to be acknowledged for whatever you're you're doing, you know, and so. Uh, Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, and with that too, you know, like you said, you know, being part of this experience, right? Everyone just got shrunk. And like I said, it was this 4D sensory overload kind of attraction. Now, now you got to be honest, how many times did you actually go see it originally? And you're like, there I am again. All right. I, 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 and then take some friends or whatnot. So that way you could show everybody it. I, uh, I remember going to the first screening and that was really, really fun um, because it was so exciting to be surprised. And um, I remember... Um, being so like the mice running across the theater, <laughs> and then you feeling the mice like hit your legs. That was like the most fun part of the attraction because like it's almost like you forget part of all those elements, and then you realize, wow, this is really cool. Like you know, there were so many things that took you off guard and were surprising, and and even to this day, you know, it, it's I think it's it still surprises you because you're sort of sucked into this visceral experience and you're not quite sure what's going to happen. And those, that's always the most fun thing. And then to do it again, and then, you know, it's almost like <laughs> to enjoy the experience of the surprise is, is always what's most fun in life, I think, too. Definitely. You know, and I guess with that, too, you know, because it was part of this franchise, you know, with, you know, it had Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies and there was a television show and a, now an attraction. I guess, uh, were you surprised looking back at how long this attraction was able to sustain itself and stay at the parks where everybody enjoyed it for so many years? And, you know, did, it, did that shock you that it was so popular for so long? And as you got older, did you ever go back and watch it again? You're like, wow, I look really young. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't try to think of it that way. I was sort of an innocent person just starting out. And, um, you know, I, I think it just led to some really wonderful, um, things. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I kind of think of it as the guy who just was like, oh, wow, are you part of something? You know, I'm part of movie making. Wow, cool. <laughs> and then, you know, just expecting, Oh, what's going to happen next? You know, and what am I going to be interested in next? And uh, and uh, it, it turns out, you know, there was lots of different things that I was interested in, but it all sort of started with that project. So, um, but uh, you know, I really enjoy um, being behind the camera mostly now, um, and that seems to be where my talents. Uh, lie. <laughs> so, um, well, like you said, though, it really did spark a lot of different things. That was kind of the start of it all and being part of this attraction that everybody loves. Everybody enjoyed it. I remember seeing it so many times. But of course, you know, like you said, you actually joined up and made a life a lifelong friend, basically, that, you know, kind of pushed you into other areas, whether that was photography and so much more. Can you elaborate more about that friendship and partnership that you, still is going even today? Yeah, Randall Kleiser's a, you know, I think, um, you know, I think having, uh, been part of Disney, I think he was part of making movies for them and, uh, and part of that success. And so he was riding on all that success and box office and, you know, sure things. And, um, and so it was neat to be a part of that, 
uh, energy and to, you know, feel included um, and special. And, um, and as he went on with different movies, I mean, some that, you know, particularly stand out are, uh, I think there was a personal movie called It's My Party. It's a very personal film that he had written. Um, and then that was the first time I got to be a still photographer on a set. And um, I ironically was also the craft service um, person. (laughs) So, but I didn't have a budget for the film star for the whole time. So I would do that when I wasn't doing craft service. And um, it's just a neat thing to be a part of. So that was an exciting new first as well. Um, And, and then um, from there, of course, that led to more photography and, um, I ended up doing more uh, still photography for him through the years on um, different things. Um, there was one thing called Red Riding Hood, <laughs> um, which starred a young actor named, uh, you know, uh, Henry Cavill, who's a big, huge star now. And that was neat to, to you know, I just remember, like, he was like, oh, how do you work out and how do you get off? I was kind of into bodybuilding. <laughs> and then he became this big, huge hunk of a guy, and you never know where somebody's going to land or a lead, and he's just a huge star now. And um, and that's always exciting to see people at the start of their careers. And um, I think that's probably why I like photography and being behind the camera is, um, you know, you get to nurture and see things grow and um, it's always fun to be a part of that creative process where you're supporting and nurturing other people's talents um, and uh, and then I guess there was another film called Love Wrecked uh, that we were on an island and um, uh, starred Amanda Bynes and Chris Carmack and I think Jonathan Bennett and um, Jamie Lynn Ziegler I believe and it was just this cute little romantic uh, film <laughs> And uh, and uh, I remember just, you know, that was fun to like, you know, just like Amanda Bynes would give me signals when she was okay about me shooting her. And there was, you know, because I remember getting to do all these, creating all these posters of Chris Carmack because he played a, like a, uh, I guess a, uh, um, a rock star in the film. And uh, so I had to, what was neat about that job is I just, Sometimes when you're doing still photography, you're just waiting around on a set, you know, for people to to uh, to shoot, um, and you're not really you're sort of always in the way and <laughs> that experience. And then you're always kind of like, you know, you don't want to mess up the other camera guys thing. But then you have your own goals. And but what was fun about that is uh, for the art department, they needed all these posters. So in our spare time, I would go off with the star of that film Chris Carmack um I don't know if he was in a lot of Disney films I know he was in something uh, to do with um you know kid stuff or something popular kid actor but uh but anyway we would create all these posters alone these rock star posters these heartthrob posters and you know that made me realize oh I enjoy just doing more one-on-one things and that type of stuff and um really interacting and uh getting to direct other people <laughs> rather than just capture them. And so, uh, so anyway, um, I, I, I was a UCLA film major before um, I had met Randall Kleiser. So that was already in the works. Um, and I had done some films and, um, and somehow fell into that acting opportunity and then photography afterwards. And, um, and then I ended up, writing and directing a little bit of my own um, 
uh, a short film called Audit uh, in 2001 that stars Judy Greer. Um, and she ironically has my same birthday too. <laughs> so, and I don't know, I think Judy's been in a lot of Disney projects as well, but you know, she was, uh, she was a star of my first short with Sally Kirkland, Alexis Arquette, who recently passed away, and, uh, some young actor named Michael Kelly. And, uh, and, uh, that was a really wonderful experience that, um, once again, Randall nurtured and helped with and another, uh, director, um, I remember he gave me a lot of advice, um, was Brian Singer during that point. And, uh, he was cutting his first, uh, I don't know if that's a Disney film, but <laughs> it was X-Men. And I know he had to cut out like 30 minutes of it. And then he's like, Oh yeah, he just sort of helped looked at my short and took the time. And, and so did Randall and just gave me their feedback. And then they're like, Oh, help me cut down my short. <laughs> so it was like a mini experience of movie making. And then that led to some other um wonderful experiences. Um and uh I really just kind of fell back more into photography. Um that seemed to be calling me more and more. So I did a lot of that, like beauty stuff and fashion and all sorts of um other things which I guess stemmed from my uh you know, my start uh, in the modeling world, which happened in New York with uh, a photographer named Stephen Meisel, uh, who shoots all the Vogue covers and Time Vogue. And um, he, uh, he, um, you know, used me on, on some editorials and, and uh, the cover of Italian Vogue with Naomi Campbell and these, uh, like, uh, Amber Valletta <laughs> and um, Kristen McNamini. And uh, I just remember how um that launched why I was a model was really and an actor was just to learn how to be more of my own artist and creator and photographer and director. And um so uh so anyway, I think I'm digressing, but I would love to for you to interject <laughs> and help guide this in the <laughs> in a way that makes sense more. But well, like you said, it you know you kind of went full circle. You went from everything from being on screen, being part of this notable attraction that everybody loves, and then going into shooting still photography, writing, directing, doing shorts, coming back to photography. Now, in doing that kind of full circle and coming back to photography, I guess how different is it when you're on set and shooting stills for a production as opposed to you know shooting in the studio. I mean, how different is it trying to capture that moment, you know, on screen, you know, that 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 they're filming as opposed to doing a, a set and a full shoot in a studio? Um, you know, it's it's always cool because um you know, it's you know, I like both of it. I like I I shoot actually a lot of red carpet photography and event photography and um I had become interested in celebrities I wasn't really shooting them and I was shooting mostly models and, um, and that was wonderful to like work and sort of create and work with a team of artists that help you change people up into characters and with the hair and the makeup and your vision. And that's always a way better experience when, you know, you're working with a small creative team and, just creating your vision and trusting that everything's going to work out right and the lighting will be right and really controlling it and figuring things out. And that's really fun, you know, because 
a lot of it is sort of randomly beautiful. You know, you just feel it out. You feel out how close the light should be just on a subject's face and see what their best angle is and feel them out and try to get them comfortable and relaxed and just enjoying the, the moment of the experience rather than trying to control it. Um, and I think that's probably why I like the event stuff so much uh, because with celebrities, you know, a lot of that is very controlled through publicists and art directors. <laughs> it's all really well thought out and planned. And um, and those types of shoots, you know, you don't usually get to do um, with celebrities. You know, there's very few photographers who get to do that type of stuff. I think it requires a lot of trust. Um, but what was neat for me um, was I had always thought there was a mystique about that, but then I realized celebrities are very accessible <laughs> and that you could <laughs> shoot them pretty much anywhere, <laughs> you know, at any point. And, um, and that's why I think the red carpet thing is exciting because the difference between still photography and red carpet or event photography is actors are in character and you're just capturing them in their characters and they often don't like to pose for you. They just want to be in character and focus on the character they're working on and not be bothered. And you just are sort of like an invisible wall. Um, and then with red, you know, when you're at an event, it's very similar. The only difference is they're, they're looking their best. They're dressed in the most amazing outfit. Their makeup and hair is perfect. Uh, and um, it's almost like it's they're showing the product they want to show, <laughs> and so and so there's a whole other character there because most of the time they're probably just hanging out in a, in a in a set in this makeup and hair that's just not even them, and and then you think uh, you get to see them in their most glamorous um, element, and that's very exciting because you're just capturing them on that level, and I think you know you. Um, you learn a lot from that because those types of moments, you know, it frees you up. You're not trying to control anything. So when you're not trying to control, you're just enjoying capturing somebody. And that's always the most beautiful thing. And I think that's when you're in flow and when you're just trusting and capturing and you're still trying to get people to do what you want. <laughs> um, but but there's a there's a magic in that as well. Is there one celebrity or one uh I guess event or something where where you look back and you're like that is it. That is the one that I I, I still remember that day and you loved the the photo and everything. I think I was shooting the Oscars one year. It was my first time and um and out of nowhere I remember Charlize Theron just came out of the crowd and just stood in front of me in the most beautiful gallery just stood there and just was like Take my picture. Like, you know, it's so uh, arresting because, you know, it's like the first time you see somebody and you don't even know them. You didn't even get to shake their hand, but you're suddenly shooting this very famous person that you've always admired. And um, and they're just standing right in front of you. <laughs> it's such a weird experience. <laughs> like, and I've shot probably every celebrity in Hollywood twice over. And it's always magical. It's always fun to see somebody in the flesh and see how they really act and see what they really are like. And um, some people really love it. Some people really hate it. Some people are uncomfortable. Uh, others uh, just take your breath away. And she just knew how to pose. Like Charlize was amazing. She would turn. She would do this. She'd give you so much. So It was just so much fun. And I think Kate Winslet uh, had the same feeling. Like just suddenly she was right in front of me. And I remember 
being like totally like Florida with Kate Winslet. You know, like just like one of those those moments and um you know, I, I I'd sort of been compared to Keanu Reeves a lot, uh, in my voice and the way I look. <laughs> and um so that was kinda neat. There was I think some premiere where I remember I was trying to get a selfie with him after he had finished posing and and then um and then lo and behold he came and just like went right next to my camera and then somebody shot that and it was just so much fun to like know they're just real people trying to sell themselves <laughs> trying to make a living. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you ever have you ever taken a photo of somebody and part of this, you know, knowing that they are real people and they're just people. They're not, you know, on this crazy pedestal, things like that. Have you ever taken some shots and you get back, you're developing them and you're like, ooh, that is not flattering. Oh yeah. No, you don't wanna put anything out there that's not flattering. Um you know, I mean, you're there to make them look as good as possible, and that's why you're invited into these very intimate settings. And what's interesting about me is um, I, you know, moved up that scale pretty quickly and uh, in that world because it's, you know, normally it's about 40 or 50 or sometimes just 10 or sometimes just you. Um, and the celebrities are a very intimate uh, setting and, um, and, and then oftentimes it's now I work for Variety um, uh, magazine a lot and WWD for celebrity events. So I have to go inside events like uh, and find them and then, you know, just shoot moments and create moments with them. So I feel like it's like the best of both worlds. Like now I'm just creating my own moments in a setting rather than being in a controlled environment where they pose and then they leave like a step and repeat sort of thing i'm just in there and i feel very comfortable like i could just approach anybody and take their photo and if they don't want their photo taken i don't take it um but most of them know you're there to help promote them and they're there to promote whatever cause they're there for and uh, lend their celebrity name to it and so there's a, a mutual respect there and and you want people to you know, you want them to look their best. You choose the best photos and you edit out the ones that suck, you know. And those Definitely. Like, yeah, those don't go anywhere because there's a little bit of a trust factor there. And uh, and as you consistently do it more and more, I mean, um, you know, you realize that, you know, everybody wants to look their best. <laughs> and um, I think there was like one point where I remember – um, with Jennifer Lopez, she's kind of cool to shoot because she just gives so much to every photographer she shoots with and she just knows exactly how she wants to pose and what she wants to look like and, um, and she, uh, she was kind of tired one day. I think it was an American Idol thing or something and, uh, and, uh, she's like, oh, I've been up all night. I said, you look great. You look great. <laughs> every time I think I've seen her again, um, uh, you know, she just, it's they sort of find you, but you don't think they really know you, kind of thing. And you could be in this hidden in the back, and sometimes they just they find you. You know, they're like, "Oh, I remember him. He made me feel good." <laughs> I want to be told. I want to feel good again. You know, and um, and so there's like this neat kind of unspoken thing, even though you don't really meet them and talk with them or interact with them that much. Sometimes you do. Um, you just. You know, there's just this lovely kind of respect, you know, that goes on. 
Well, out of all the out of all the celebrities that are, you know, like you said, you've shot so many over the years, and so many of them have been part of many Disney productions, you know, that are in Hollywood. Everyone from, you know, like you said, Johnny Depp all the way to Shirley Theron, and you name it. Is there any one person that you have never been able to shoot yet that you would still love to put on your bucket list? Oh God, I think there was an event with Elizabeth Taylor um, that I missed, um, and I would have loved to have shot her. That's the first one that comes to mind. I think it's mostly people that have passed away, like Frank Sinatra or something like the old, old <laughs> like stars, like legendary stars, like that you, you know. And then sometimes they they will show up, like these very old actors, and so I'm shooting them at a, at a very when nobody really thinks of them anymore. Um, but uh, but you know that's that's a whole other thing. I mean, um, I I I always thought there was something fun about. Michael Fassbender um, and Julianne Moore—they're—they're um, they're neat, and I've got to shoot them. But hmm, I'm trying to think; those were ones where I was like, "Oh, I really want to shoot them." <laughs> and there was moments when I got to shoot them, and I think they're—they have a special quality about them. Um, but I don't know. You name somebody. <laughs> our list, our list could go on and on, and you probably shot many of them or not. Like we said, from Johnny Depp to you know all the way through to Dick Van Dyke, Julie Andrews, you name it. I know what I want to talk about a little bit, um, if if I could, um, because I'm just I think I'm at this point, this wonderful point of you know I've got to shoot everybody. I appreciate everybody, and now I just want to work on my filmmaking again and my writing and my directing. And I have a new project that I've been working on over the last year or so that just seems so exciting and new and different. And um, over the last couple of years, I had um, a couple of films that came up, a few other shorts that I did. One was called Dry Dock. And um, it was just a 10-minute short for that I submitted to Ron Howard and Bryce Dallas Howard's uh, Canon Film Short Contest. Um, uh, and, uh, it just starred a few of my good friends. Um, and what was interesting about that project is, and I know this is going to sound like a, a little bit of a, a downer, but, um, what happened was, I guess they were married, the two people that they were my surf buddies and this person named Jen and Vince, and, um, they were married in, I just loved hanging out with them and enjoyed them. And um, I wanted to make something dramatic and interesting. And Jen was like, oh, I want to do something dramatic. She was an actress and she was very successful, uh, getting to be very successful. And her husband wasn't doing the same. And um, and then something happened where she wanted a divorce, of course. And then I think in 2015 they did they were just about to do that and instead what happened is he um he ended up killing her and then killing himself and um and i was like oh wow this is a interesting thing to happen and uh i just made me question everything <laughs> you know what does this mean and and i had been working on another short called um arctic plunge and i had been in the arctic and i just improv this movie on this vacation shooting polar bears. I didn't know what it meant. And <laughs> there was this young boy that kept appearing in my um, nature shots. He was waiting for things to happen, like glaciers. We were on a glacier waiting for things to, the, you know, glacier calves, and you're filming, and you're waiting for the calves, and you wanted to capture it. And 
he was standing in this hole and um and I thought, oh, this looks like a scary movie idea and looks like something that, you know, uh like he pushed his girlfriend down there or something. <laughs> and so I created this whole storyline thinking he had killed his girlfriend on this glacier. And really what it was or it turned out to be is when that happened with that other short, I knew it was about him. That short was about him actually killing himself because it didn't work out with his girlfriend. <laughs> and so I got Sally Kirkland to do narration for that. And that was a very cathartic film because it showed me a lot about um, how life and death are very much on the same thing. And I think that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm like, oh, okay. So I feel like I'm in this place of magical creation. And um, I understand a lot about how life and death works <laughs> and how that happens with movie projects and, and with people and relationships in particular that come and go in your life. I guess in wrapping up here, you know, it was our pleasure having you stop in, take this trip down your entire career, memory lane, so much more. I know all of our listeners out there definitely going to be looking up all of your shorts and more on YouTube as well as, you know, reliving those glory days of Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and so much more. So it was our pleasure having you stop in, Brian, chat with us, and you're always welcome back anytime. Okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and it's a pleasure to be a part of Dizradio.com. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nice and soft and quiet blues. That's what I like. Do the bounces on the boom, boom, boom. I'm blue as I can be. Green with jealousy. Yeah. Look what you don't to me. I've got those green with envy blues. I, I mean those red with anger blues. And that's the purple with passion blues over you. Oh, the end of the orange. You're gonna squeeze me. Need the mellow yellow moon. So I can lose those green with envy, red with anger, purple, passionate, blue. Oh, I take off, boys. Red, 
with pink and white and plaid and blue and yellow and when does this thing end already? What, what, what? Who does this I eat the red Green and the blues! <sighs> Boy. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. EC82 Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault, where safety is always first. Speaking of firsts, we're going to do one here in the vault. Normally, I give you a new blue for you to view each week here on Disney On Demand. But this week, we're going to do a little something different. Since our guest this week is technically a part of a film, and technically the film is or shall I say was being shown all around the Walt Disney Parks, I thought it fitting to talk about a film that isn't unfortunately something you can view by disc, but in some instances you can view online, or if you have been a kid of the 90s, you more than likely had somebody videotape this with their camcorder. And for those of you who've been with me down in the vault for as long as I have been down here, you probably know my affinity for that wonderful park known as Epcot. And so we are going to go to the Imagination Institute, or as I like to call it, the Imagination Pavilion, and take a seat as we prepare for the Inventor of the Year ceremony with the Zelensky family to Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. For those familiar with the Honey series, and I guess I could call it Honey series, although it does sound like something you would expect bees around. But anyway, for those who are familiar with it, we already know about the Zelinsky family. Wayne, Diane, Amy, Nick, and Adam. Apparently, Amy was too busy to come to tonight's ceremony, so we'll just say that she was left at home alone. Wait, that's another movie. But anyway, still fun nonetheless. And in those movies, we know that Wayne Zielinski is known for all of his inventions, or sometimes misadventions, which cause misadventures or fabulous and wonderful adventures for us to enjoy. The great Disney Imagineers decided to place this 4D interactive film a part of the Imagination Institute in honoring Wayne Zielinski as the inventor of the year. It would not be without its famous host, Dr. Nigel Channing, played by the ever-funny and comedic Eric Idle. As the curtain rises, everyone is advised to place on their safety goggles, and we know them better as our 3D glasses. Yes, those little yellow pieces of plastic that I know most of you have put in a bag. I know you have. I haven't, but I know many of you have. With our safety glasses firmly affixed to our face, we now await Wayne to arrive. And in typical Zelensky fashion, he is late. However, upon his arrival, we discover him miniaturized in a hover pod, flying high above us. In his attempt to make a final landing, he accidentally drops his controls and spins out of control, causing mass chaos in the Imagination Institute. In order to fill time, Nick then starts demonstrating a lot of the inventions that his father is being honored for. First up, the duplicator. Adam places his pet mouse on the machine and they quickly multiply, causing the audience to go rampant as mice fill the theater. Don't worry, folks. It's just an effect. In order to make the mice disappear, it's time to bring out Wayne's next invention, the hollow pet, which starts as a cat, but quickly transforms into a lion, 
coming out into the audience and scaring most of us. Okay, yeah, so I was a little bit scared when the cat pops out and the lion swipes at you, but you know, it's okay. As the kitty makes its final swipe, Wayne has returned to normal size and is ready to demonstrate his incredible shrinking ray. I think he's already done that once before in a movie that we already know, but it's always good to revisit old friends. And what a better way to demonstrate his machine than to show a time-saving trick. Shrink the luggage so that you have plenty of space. And heck, nowadays it would be great because then all you have to do is put that in a small bag and you have a carry-on. But believe it or not, the machine goes awry again and shrinks all of us. Yes, thus getting the name, shrinking the audience. Including Nick, who is going to help navigate us while we're small. Hey, he's had experience in this before. Of course, Wayne realizes what he's done and he promises to go back, get some parts, and fix the machine. Or at least he hopes to. It's now up to us, the audience, sitting in our seats, having to fight back Diane fainting, Adam blinding us with his flash of his camera. Yeah, can you imagine that today with all of our iPhones? And of course, Adam picking us up, showing the little people to everyone. Yep, that's us, the little people. Thankfully, Dr. Channing persuades Adam to put the theater back carefully so that it does not mess up the exits. And finally, the largest scare of all, Gigabyte. Yes, Nick's pet snake which was small at the beginning, is now quite large to us, considering we're of a miniature size. And, oh, by the way, he hasn't been fed, so he's a bit hungry, and we look like a good snack. But thankfully, Quark, the family dog, chases him back, and we are lucky to be met with Wayne again in the nick of time to save Nick and us when we are returned to normal size. But if you notice, as we're just beginning to rise, Quark is hit by the beam as well and runs backstage. Luckily, we have just enough time for Wayne to accept his award until Nick notifies us all that there's a big problem. That's right, Quark has now been giantized. Unfortunately, the curtain closes, so we never know exactly how Wayne fixes this one, but we can guess it is full of fun, mischief, and of course, a little bit of imagination. Honey, I Shrunk the Audience opened in, on November 21st, 1994, just one day before my birthday, so I'm thankful for that. Epcot closed the doors on the Inventor of the Year ceremony on May 9th, 2010, and replaced this fun-loving event with the Captain EO tribute soon after Michael Jackson's death. Not only could you go to Epcot to see this fine film, but you could also be a part of it in Disneyland, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris all of which are unfortunately closed. The nice thing about it is that the original Zelinskis are there. Rick Moranis, Marsha Starsman, Robert Oliveri, and of course Daniel and Joshua Salikar. And I have already mentioned Nigel Channing being played by Eric Idle. This 23-minute extravaganza is pure 1990s fun. It brings back all of the joys of the, the original films and brings you into the audience. I can't say enough. It is still closed with no replacement in sight, at least yet. I always look forward to something new and exciting coming to Epcot. And with some of the rumors that are flying around, I have a feeling we may see some new things popping up in our imagination. 
Now, as I said, you cannot view this, obviously, or purchase it for home viewing. However, there are many people who have taken a camera and recorded it for themselves. And again, who hasn't taken a camcorder when they were younger and had mom or dad record it when you were little? Everybody wants to relive it. Whether you're in the parks or listening online or viewing online, getting a chance to be a part of a shrunken audience is always a good day in my book. So I'm going to close the doors on the Imagination Institute. I won't be too far away. Again, one of my favorite pavilions in Future World, yet I cannot name just one pavilion to be my favorite, although it's not hard to find me anytime when you're in Epcot having me sit in the land. It is still one of my favorite, most serene places. And yes, I'm one of those individuals who still love to ride, living with the land, and enjoy each and every time. So until next week, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is as important as a lick from a giant dog and always deep inside of you. All right, before the parade gets underway, I'm on special assignment. Remember Professor Zelensky, that crazy scientist who, uh shrunk the kids. Now Zelensky's experimenting at Epcot's newest attraction. Honey, I shrunk the audience. And that could mean almost anything could happen. Who are you waiting for? Minnie. Minnie, Minnie Mouse. And how about you? Mickey. Mickey. Everybody's got somebody they're waiting for. But we're looking for this honey test family. And I think we found them right here. Yeah. What's your name? Joe Lyons. And it's your family, right, Joe? What's your name? Cynthia. Cynthia. Teresa. Michael. All right. Well, listen, we're all ready to go here. We want to have a little, uh, you conduct a little experiment with us. We'd like you to put on these glasses right here. And you're going over to the Epcot Center, to the Discovery Park, to Disney's newest uh, attraction here. Honey, I shrunk the audience. Maybe a few quirks and a few glitches. That's why you're here. Be very careful. Promise you'll come back and report to me on the street right here in a few minutes, okay? All right. Give them a big hand, everybody. An encouraging hand. Remember the Martins? Remember them? That perfect family, the Honey Test family I met earlier? Yep. Let's see how they're doing over at Epcot's new attraction, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Hi, I'm Robbie Benson, the author of I'm Not Dead Yet and also The Beast. And you're listening Disney On Demand. Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. The week has come for one of Disney's most highly anticipated film releases of the year to debut in theaters. The all-new animation-to-live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast opens in theaters this weekend, so I thought it would only be appropriate to return to the original soundtrack released in 1991. With a score composed by Alan Menken and songs written by Alan and the late Howard Ashman, the soundtrack would go on to receive four Academy Award nominations, winning Best Original Song for the Title Song and Best Original Score, the Golden Globe for Best Original Score and Best Original Song, and several Grammy nominations, including earning the honor of being the only animated film soundtrack to date to have been nominated for Album of the Year, and winning for Best Pop Duo Group Performance, Best Pop Instrumental Performance, Best Song Written for a Motion Picture or for Television, and Best Instrumental Composition Written for a Motion Picture or for Television. The film was cast in the format of a Broadway musical per Howard's suggestion, and each cast member provided their own singing, a rarity in animation considering after Beauty's released, Tarzan would be the only other Walt Disney animated feature in the 90s where all of the characters who sang would have the same singing and speaking voice. One of the most beloved soundtracks in the Disney Music Library, I have our songs queued up and ready to go. Follow me as we journey beyond that poor provincial town to the Hidden Castle as we take a listen to the music from Walt Disney Pictures' 30th animated classic, Beauty and the Beast. It may surprise some to hear that something there was actually written at the last minute to fill the gap left by Human Again when it was cut from the film. The song was cut primarily due to the complexity and length, and Alan and Howard now found themselves with the task of writing a quick love song that was contained and simple. 
In Robbie Benson's biography, I'm Not Dead Yet, he credits Paige O'Hara for turning the song into a duet between Belle and Beast when she reminded Alan and Howard of Robbie's previously recorded records and work on Broadway. By the time Paige and Robbie recorded the song with the orchestra, Howard was too sick to be in the studio and was phoned in to communicate with Alan. A story from this recording session that's been told by Alan and those involved is that when it came to Paige singing the line, new and a bit alarming, Howard tapped on the receiver, everyone in the studio went silent, and he said in a whisper of a voice, tell Paige, Streisand, in reference to Barbara Streisand. The instruction came to fruition as Paige drew out alarming, stretching the phrase, sliding down into the ing, and putting emphasis on the final syllable. This instruction from Howard can be heard in Paige's other performances throughout the soundtrack. something sweet and almost kind but he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined and now he's dear and so unsure I wonder why I didn't see it there before Glanced this way, I thought I saw And when we touched, she didn't shudder at my paw No, it can't be, I'll just ignore But then she's never looked at me that way before Who'd have thought? Well, bless my soul. Well, who'd have known? Well, who indeed? And who'd have guessed it? Come together on their own. It's so peculiar. Well, wait and see. A few days more. There may be something there that wasn't there before. Yeah, perhaps there's something there that wasn't there before. There may be something there that wasn't there before. Written to be the height of simplicity, drawing on Broadway sound for the influence, and the song Alan devoted most of his time to, Angela Lansbury didn't think she was suited for the title song at first. More accustomed to singing up-tempo numbers, she worried about sustaining the long notes in the ballad and her voice coming through strong enough. Encouraged to sing the song the way she envisioned, Beauty and the Beast went on to become the most enduring song in the soundtrack, claiming the Academy Award for Best Original Song. When the day came to record the song, Angela was delayed due to a bomb scare that forced her flight from L.A. to New York to have an emergency landing in Las Vegas. After finishing the recording sessions for Belle and Be Our Guest for the Day, filmmakers had no idea of her location and began the process of rescheduling the session when they received a phone call from Angela saying she had safely landed in New York and would be at the studio in half an hour. Producer Don Hahn encouraged her to go get some rest after the long day and come back tomorrow. Don't be ridiculous. I'm rehearsed. I'm ready to go, is all she said and she proceeded to walk into the booth and sing the song. 
That take is the one and only full take that was needed, and was the version we all hear when we listen to the soundtrack or watch the movie. As old as time True as it can be Barely even friends Then somebody bends Unexpectedly Just a little change Small to say the least both a little scared, neither one prepared, beauty and the beast, ever just the same, ever a surprise, ever as before, ever just as sure as the sun will rise. As old as time Tune as old as song Bittersweet and strange Finding you can change Learning you were wrong Certain as the sun Rising in the east as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. After the cupboard with you now, Chip. Past your bedtime. Good night, love. Our final selection is the latter half of Battle on the Tower, focusing on the section that actually occurs during Beast and Gaston's battle. The orchestra brings out the lower voices and lower registers on the higher voices to darken the sound. Full of accents, this is anything but the more fairy tale, wishful dreaming adventure instrumentations we've heard leading up to this point in the film. There are a few lighter, softer, more romantic sections in the piece when Belle arrives at the castle, when Beast spares Gaston and his Beast and Belle reunite, but the lighter sections all come to abrupt ends with fortissimo entrances from the brass, high and low, continuing to announce the danger that Gaston has brought to the scene. A piece full of conflict, it has always been one of my favorites as an example of quick-changing moods, from the sorrowful start, to the dramatic battle, to the romantic reunion, to the final blow.
with that, though I could easily keep going on when it comes to the soundtrack. My time for this week is unfortunately up. Thanks for sticking around for another magical music review and for coming back to our show here at Diz Radio every week. Without all of you, there is no show. As always, feel free to connect with the D-Team and myself on the D-Wire on Facebook or send us any questions, suggestions, or comments to our respective emails found in the Team Bio tab at DizRadio.com. Be sure to go back into the archives and catch interviews with Robbie Benson, The Beast, and Jesse Cordy, LeFou, on shows number 19 and 55. Well, I'm heading out to go see our all-new retelling of the beloved fairy tale, and I hope many of you are getting the same opportunity this weekend. Have a wonderful rest of your week, D-Heads, and until next time, see ya! Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30th full-length animated motion picture. Is anyone here? Mama, there's a girl in the castle. Good. A girl. The classic story of Beauty and the Beast. He was a lonely beast, cursed by a mysterious spell. And she was the beautiful young girl who could set him and his kingdom free. She's the one. She has come to break the spell. They were two complete opposites. Anything to do with him. She is being so difficult. Until something wonderful happened. There's something sweet. Straighten up. And almost kind. Show me the smile. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. And now he's dear. You look so. And so unsure. Stupid. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. It's a story filled with fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Adventure. Sacre bleu. Invaders! And dozens of wonderful new Disney characters. Keep it down. Featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer and lyricist of The Little Mermaid. This holiday season, share the fun, the magic, and the music of an entertainment event you'll never forget. Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Carrie only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. All right, all you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. We had the luck of the Irish, we had all kinds of fun, we got shrunk down to the size of a leprechaun, and so many other things. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the talented Brian Toe for stopping in here and chatting with all of us. From all of your still photography, work in the red carpet, being part of the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience attraction, and so much more, thank you for stopping in, chatting with us, and I know we're going to be seeing more of you in 2017. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, 
Dominic, Paige, Caitlin, and Cody all stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without the D-Team, the show would be nothing more than me rambling week in and week out, so thank you, the D-Team, for stopping in and adding that bit of magic for all the D-Heads out there. And remember, you can always connect up with the D-Team on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. And finally, the most important, the thing we're the luckiest about here this week, with it being St. Patrick's Day, is you, the D-Heads. Yes, thank you, the D-Heads. You are the reason we continue to bring you this show for the last seven years with the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney. You are the reason that we continue to bring these interviews and magic and have it be so much fun. And we are lucky here on this St. Patrick's weekend just to have you listening in. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, next week we are getting closer to our official 7th anniversary. We're just weeks away from our 7-year anniversary here at Disney On Demand. And next week we have a very special guest stopping in. But before I give you a clue as to who's going to be stopping in, I do have to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, our live time of Disney player and so much more right there on our official website at dizradio.com D-I-Z radio.com you can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney on demand you can follow us on Twitter Instagram Pinterest and many other places just search Diz radio D-I-Z radio Disney on demand or Disney blue and that's B-L-U all of which are going to help you find our fun magical unique different kind of Disney show and remember if you need the magic instantly in your ears you need it right away it's super easy all you have to do is go to itunes or stitcher radio and subscribe right there and get the latest shows as they get released instantly on your ipod your android your tablet you name it so you can listen to the magic and have it for your ears instantly and remember i do tend to talk very fast so you can find all these links and so much more on our official website at dizradio.com d-i-z radio.com Now, next week, we have more fun as we're going to kick into show number 170. And we're going to take you back with somebody that's part of your childhood. Well, at least my childhood. Somebody that's part of people's childhoods even now. And think the Gummy Bears. Think Muppet Babies. Think Dumbo Circus. Yes, I am going way back. And that's all I'm going to do to give you a little bit of hint as to who's going to be stopping in here next week. So, all of you D-heads, with St. Patrick's Day in the wings... Be safe while you're out there celebrating the luck of the Irish. Watch out so you don't get shrunk down to be the size of a leprechaun. And remember to slow down, take time, and never neglect family for business. That is the most important thing I can share with you every single week. So until next week, all of you D-heads, I'll catch you online and have a fantastic, magical weekend.
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.